Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and along with me is Tim Parrish. Tim, how are you doing this uh, this fine, fine day? I am doing well. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. No, uh, no, uh, no, 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 no health issues uh, to report of. I, I trust. No health issues to report currently. No. That's good. Now, uh, I, I feel I feel something might be brewing, but I don't know. Uh oh. Uh oh. We don't want to. We'll, talk. we'll see. Yeah, it, no. It might just it might just be boredom. I don't know. Oh well, I've been I've been staying away from people. I've been flattening the curve the best I can um, by staying home. Uh, you know, I miss some things. I miss playing hockey, but oh, I... oh, so so you're the one that's actually trying, okay? Because no one else seems to be around. Am here. I like the only one who's doing? I feel like yeah, it's some joke on set. Jokes on sale, right? Like. Everybody else is going out and going about their life, and I'm like the only one staying home and 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 not, like, Uh-oh. yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. You know, I started wearing a mask for the first time. Um, my, you should. Yeah, I I should. No, not not to cover like my my good looks, but like to cover my mouth and my, uh, you know. Oh like, oh yeah, because of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah, no, my sister works in a retirement community, and so she was able to get me like the really good surgical grade masks with like the little filter on them and stuff the n95s yeah okay you know what i'm talking about yeah the hospitals are short of those well okay well two of them are mine ha 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 and you know one i'll probably have to throw out eventually from using all the time it's already starting to lose you know i put it in my put it in a baggie put it in my pocket and you know in my coat pocket or whatnot and that way i always have it with me but um yeah, so let's uh, <laughs> COVID nineteen. So it's affecting um, our lives. Um, it's uh, actually um, what's funny is that, or not funny, but on uh, Wednesday I was a guest on a show called Pittsburgh Hockey Now with uh, Dan Kingerski, and he had me on his show, but he was recording from home, so we had to figure out how to do all this stuff, which we, I guess, us who do podcasts like normally, we we kind of crossed that bridge already and like people who are maybe used to like having people do it for them or just have like maybe a studio yeah. space yeah, yeah. actually actually in a studio that's designed and has equipment for that purpose right so um yeah but so we talked um so dan and i talked about my article for the hockey news about the russian penguins now that article's from last year and you're probably thinking well why are you bringing it up now uh, well, it's actually uh, in the running for a Chicago Journalism Award, the Society of Professional Journalists Chicago chapter. It's one of the three finalists for uh, their uh, award for best sports story in a magazine. So I put that out there on Twitter. He found it, wanted to talk to me. We talked about it and it was just fun. So, Dan, I know you're not listening to my podcast, our podcast, the Puck Junk podcast, but Thanks for having me on your show. And those of you who want to hear that clip, it's actually on Puck Junk. If you just go to puckjunk.com, scroll down, it'll be like one or two stories underneath this uh, uh, most recent uh, blog post. Wow, look at you. Up for a journalistic award. No big deal, right? 
Well, we'll see if I could go two in a row, right? Because last year I also won um, an award, the, the same award for something I had written for the Hockey News. So I don't know if Lightning can strike twice. And if it does, awesome. And if not, that's okay. Because I will say that one of the stories I actually, that was a finalist, uh, I did not read. I didn't hear of it. The other one, though, when I saw which one it was, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a good story. That was a good story. Like, I just looked at that and I said, yeah, you know, I don't read a lot of football, but this guy's football article, it was one that I had actually read. And I was just like, yeah, that's that's, that's a good story. So got some stiff competition, but that's OK. It's just it's just nice to it's just nice to be a finalist, you know. I, I won runner up in an art contest in second grade once. What did you draw? A rocket ship. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think Walden Books. Remember Walden Books? Did you have Walden? Okay. Yeah. So Walden Books had a, uh, they had an art contest. It was like, draw a picture of your dad. Cause it was like for Father's Day weekend. So I drew a picture of my dad and I got second place and they gave me a $10 gift certificate, which was like, I think that was the first time I actually won an award that had some money tied to it. Like I, th- I thought it was a big deal. <laughs> it was bucks. fun. Huh? That's a lot. I said 10 bucks for a kid. That's a lot of money. This would have been like 1985. And I remember that. Oh I heck to, that's like a hundred dollars today. I used to draw a lot and they had, um, the only thing they had, they had crayons, but they were the fat crayons. Remember the fat crayons, the big crayons. So I'm trying to draw um, a picture of I my I remember dad. the fat crayons. I don't crayons. remember the fat crayons. Sorry. Because you're one of those that says crayons and not crayon. All right. Let's not get into a whole soda pop argument, okay? Uh, <laughs> soda pop? Soda what? or pop. Yeah. Get rid so, of the soda part. Anyway, anyway so. Or you can uh, be from the South and everything's a Coke. What's that? I said you could be from the South and everything's a Coke. Everything's it's a just, Coke? Everything's Coke and it's just what flavor? Yeah, I like my Coke to be Dr. Pepper. I'll take hey. a Coke. What flavor? Pepsi? <laughs> Diet RC. Ca- yeah, caffeine free. Hey, so uh, your wife is on a trading card. I want to bring this up before I forget because oh, I think boy. this was. Oh, yeah. No, this was awesome. You lobbied for your wife, who is a surgical first surgical assist. Is that the right title? A s- surgical first assist. Yeah. Surgical oh, first it's it's a mouthful. Sur- she's a surgical technician, first assist. So okay. what that basically means is is she does she does the tech work uh, in surgery, and but she's got first assist capabilities, which means she can do other things, including like open, close, that kind of stuff. So yeah, wow. So what's um. Uh, what's this upper deck set? It's a Goodwin champion set. It's called, or it's, it's being branded as Goodwin champions and it's called, what is it called? Like real heroes or something like that. Genuine heroes. Genuine. Yeah. They've done this before. Um, a few years ago, they did a genuine heroes insert set that was inserted into Goodwin champions and it featured a lot of, um, like first responders, military, um, People like that, you know, real real heroes that don't necessarily wear capes. Um, and so they've resurrected that program with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. And they've been featuring people that are uh, working in healthcare, nurses, doctors, and people also that are uh, involved with direct, um, I don't want to say direct exposure to things, but involved in, you know, 
helping make this thing go away in the thick of um, it yeah yeah and and so you know they were asking they were saying hey if you know somebody that you think is deserving of it nominate them so i did and next thing i know <laughs> upper deck was contacting me about it and i said here's a picture and then i told her about it and she got mad at me and i said tough beans and here we are um you know basically look anybody that does this stuff for a living this is their job they do it every day and and they're not looking for recognition they're not looking for a pat on the back they're not looking to be told and have any kind of you know pomp and circumstances surrounding them because to them they're just they're doing what they're supposed to do because that's what they that's what they love to do and that's their career um but they certainly deserve it and did did your wife's opinion change once uh they made the card well it was kind of it's kind of funny because um she got the uh she got the email from chris carlin that said hey we're we want to use you and make a card out of you but you got to sign this release form and so that's when she brought it up to me and was we had the nice conversation about that. Oh, so she didn't find out until after you submitted Yeah, I, I told her I nominated her for something. She's like, what did you do? I'm like, oh, you'll see. And then the next thing you know, she got the email and she's like, what is this all about? And I'm like, just sign it. It's fine. And So you, were you like, here, let me take a picture of you in scrubs for no particular reason? No, I, I actually had that picture. Okay. And, and I used it. And so... Yeah, that wasn't like, that wasn't a current picture. That was one from a little while ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, so she signed the waiver, and next thing you know, she had a card. So it was funny. They they threw it threw it out there in the third round of of the release, and uh, they actually spelled our name wrong, which is typical. But uh, story of my life. They always spell our last name with two R's. I don't know why everybody does it, but there's only one R in my name, like a church perish like a church not so, with two r's no not with two r's and i told her that when we got married i said welcome to the world of your name being spelled wrong for the rest of your life and yeah so they did and but upper deck fixed it they uh they've already sent her the mock-up with the correction on it so it's all good have, have you heard if these are going to be actual physical cards have not yet. Um, what they basically said was they're going to roll out the whole entire program, do all of the releases of the ones they're going to put out there, and if they get enough of a positive response and everything, then they they may actually make the the actual cards. So it'll be cool if they do that. Like I said, the ones that they did a few years ago, those those were inserts in Goodwin Champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a tough pull too because they were autographed. I was like one out of three hundred packs or something. Something crazy like that. So hopefully these are uh, a little easier to get. And if if they're not, hopefully they give us at least one complimentary one. <laughs> so, but it was really cool. And it's out there on Twitter. I've retweeted it. And if you go to Upper Decks, uh, the Upper Deck Sports um, Twitter feed, at Upper Deck Sports, you can scroll through everybody's pictures on there. And like I said, I'm not saying everybody needs to go and like my wife's picture, but everybody should go and like everybody that's out there doing these things. And, you know, the, the way I hooked, the way I got her on it was basically said, you know, there are thousands of people working in healthcare and on 
what everybody's calling the front lines and all of that and are doing things that are part of, the, you know, the flattening of the curve and, and all of that kind of stuff. They can't make thousands and thousands of cards and feature every single person that's out there doing that, obviously. So you pick a you pick a representation of what you can. And so think of it this way. You're representing this area. So all the healthcare workers in this area, you're the face of of this area. And I, I sold it to her that way. And so she was like, all right, I guess if I I guess if I have to. <laughs> so but yeah, it was pretty cool. That is cool. So um, some uh, getting caught up on some uh, NHL news from the past week or so. So um, uh, first, I uh, want to just bring up the uh, the very sad passing of Edmonton Oilers uh, player uh, Colby Cave uh, passed away. I guess it was uh, complicate. Was it a complication when he, with his or on a brain bleed or something like that? Or he said something about a surgery. Yeah, um, he he had to be rushed to the hospital, and uh, he was put into a medically uh, medically induced coma after he had surgery to remove a a colloid cyst that was causing pressure on his brain, and it was. I, I mean, it's just one of those one of those things, and it's crazy to think about. You know, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, you know, here's an athlete, you know, and athletes are generally thought of as being in better health and better fitness. And, you know, especially hockey players, hockey players are like well-oiled machines. You know, they have routines and they're, you know, working out all the time and they're, you know, they're because they're just, they're machines. These guys are animals and, you know, and, and this is what they do every day. And you, you get a player like Colby cave, who was a younger player. I mean, he was only 25 years old. Right. Um, and you get a younger guy like that. That's, you know, fighting to be in the NHL and, you know, came up through the Boston organization. Um, I think he scored, he scored his first goals with, with Boston, but uh, you know, I've heard so many play. I've I've seen so many players talk about it, and you know, post you know their feelings about everything. And he was a well liked player. I mean, he was he was admired and a great teammate um, for guys that have played with him and everything else. And one story I heard um, somebody mentioned that you know, even though he kept getting sent back down, never complained about anything, always you know, was always positive. Like that was the one thing that everybody said about him. Mm-hmm. He was always a positive guy. So it's really, it, it was very sad news. Very, yeah, very sad. News. It is. And it wasn't COVID related. If people were thinking that. No. Um, but speaking of COVID, so uh, uh, Gary Bettman went on Fox news. Yeah. <laughs> right Gary there. Just, you Fox. told me, you told me that I'm like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, he's he's been he's been drug around to various uh, interviews just because you know he's a commissioner of one of the big four leagues, and you know the question is, are we going to get sports back? And you know, Trump said we need our sports back, so uh, he was on to talk about uh, this commission, I guess, that he's on to advise the president and um, try to figure out what it's going to take to you know, 
to get teams back out there playing in all of the sports. Um, but he, he mentioned that he estimated they'd be playing through the summer and, um, there've been players that have, I guess, disagreed with that publicly, namely Drew Doughty, Mm -hmm. uh, who's been the, probably the highest profile player that has come out and said, yeah, I don't think there's a chance in hell that we're going to be playing hockey again this year, but there's all sorts of rumors going on and none of it's been substantiated. You know, obviously Batman won't give an answer because he doesn't know. Nobody really knows. And, you know, they've talked about alternative locations. They've talked about ending the regular season and just starting the playoffs where, where things were possibly doing a play play in game. They've talked about neutral sites like in North Dakota and in Hartford and stuff like that. It's all rumor. It's all conjecture. Nothing's been written or set in stone and nothing's ever, nothing's been decided. So mm-hmm. till that time comes, I think we got a long way to go before we even get to that point where we can start talking about that, you know, in a real, Hey, this has got to, this has got to happen. Cause they've already said it's going to take two to three weeks just to get everybody back up to going. I mean, look, all these athletes are sitting at home right now. Yeah, they might be working out. They might have home gyms. They might be doing those types of things, but they're all sitting at home. Right. Sitting at home, working out is way different than when you're going through the grind. Well, not only that, but they're not playing hockey. Right. You know, and I guarantee that, I mean, okay, I don't know how hard an NHL player works out. I mean, I've heard and I've seen, but I've never experienced it. But I would think that a game would... You 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 work in a game. A game is also a workout. But you know, especially for a, you know when you hear about goalies losing ten pounds and in, in, in playing a game or something, right? I mean, the game is 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 physically taxing as well. So I mean, you go from playing you know maybe four or five games a night and having you know practices every day. I mean, those are also intense. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's. I've always performed better when I've been in any sort of group environment for workouts versus I've done, I've done home workouts, lifting weights, running, you know, on a treadmill, stuff like that. But when I'm in a class, like when I do like fitness class, it pushes me a lot harder. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, and that, that's what trainers do and that's what coaches do. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the, it's not the same thing. It's not game shape. Right. Um, So, like I said, it's going to be a while. I don't, I don't anticipate anybody getting up off the ground here. Well, it's going to be until at least April thirtieth now because the NHL extended the pause day. Yeah, today was today was supposed to be the day actually, and uh, it's now to the thirtieth. So, um, yeah. So, so what about um, what about uh, Chris? So it's funny. Earlier we were talking, and you're like, "Hey, did you know Christopher Steak retired?" And I'm like, "Again." Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, so, I thought he was already retired. So I guess he unretired. So what happened was, is I remember Christopher Stieg started, um, well, I remember last summer when the Blackhawks re-signed Versteeg. And I spoke with somebody on the Blackhawks, and I won't say who, because they weren't, like, divulging information to me. And I wasn't even, I was actually talking to them for a hockey news article, but I brought up Versteeg. And he just this this per, this team personnel person said, "Oh yeah, we think Versteeg can can help." Like he seemed very positive about the signing. So I don't think the Blackhawks 
were signing Versteeg just to put him in the minors. But that's where he ended up. He played six right. games for the Rockford Ice Hogs. Then he retired. He just said, you know what? I can't do it, you know, because of my former injuries. I'm just not where I want to be. And so he retired and Rockford was just, you know, the coaching staff and everybody at Rockford was like, you know what? Chris Versteeg came here. He was cool from day one. He wasn't sour about not being with the Blackhawks. He was very happy to be in Rockford because he played in the minors in Rockford before. And um, I guess what happened was is after he retired, he decided to go play uh, with his brother in Europe for a couple of games. And then he retired again because obviously all the European seasons are canceled. And right. maybe he just figures, okay, that this is it because – when he comes back, if he were to come back again, it, it probably wouldn't be very likely. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just want to move on, too. I mean, you, you hear that from a lot of players, right? Especially players who are, like, fighting injuries or, like, bubble players where they're just like, well, yeah, I could I could work out and hope to get a, a contract on a minor league team or maybe a two-way deal or whatever. Or sometimes you're just like, you know, I just want to move on with the next stage in my life. I mean... Um, Eddie Lack mentioned that also after uh, retiring and saying, you know, he spent the past six years just trying to get back to where he was and he couldn't do it. So, you know, right. time to move on to that next chapter. So good luck to good luck to Chris Versteeg. I, I've always liked Versteeg with the Blackhawks. Um, some people didn't like him. I thought he was great. He was just a fun player. I mean, he was just a really fun. I think of like just the fun players that that 2010 team had between Chris Versteeg and Adam Burrish and Dustin Bufflin and Patrick Kane. And I mean, you just, you had some real characters on that team that, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely, um, it, it was a good team, but you know, it was the guys like that that just made it a lot of fun. He was a fun, fun player. Yeah. It's always, it's always, um, what's the right word? Bittersweet when you, when you have those teams that you were in love with at certain times, you know, cup winning teams and you Mm -hmm. think of the lineups and then you fast forward and, you know, this guy retired. Now this guy retired. Now this guy's retired. And you're just like, man, it's just, it's one of them things. It was like that for me in the 1985 Bears. I mean, I was 10 when that team played. And, you know, then I remember the guys leaving and going to other teams and then guys retiring. And then it was just like, oh, man, oh, man. And other ones retired and other ones retired. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, bittersweet is, is the word. One, so, of them uh, become, one of them became a wrestler. Mongo. Steve McMichael. <laughs> Although, uh, I would have thought that William Perry would have been a wrestler. Because, I mean, he was the fridge. He had, He's already got a wrestler name. Yeah, but he had so many back problems. There's no way he could have he could have pulled that off. No, that's that's true. But it would have been it would have been fun. He would have been fun. Fridge was my favorite for a while. So, um, so I don't know. So, uh, Bill Peters. Yeah, Bill Peters is back in the news. The last time we talked about him, the guy got himself canned. Uh, based off of some less than... Uh, um, what's the right word? What's the word I'm looking for, Sal? Give it to me. He said some 
Some nasty stuff. Some nasty stuff. I don't want to say mean because mean isn't strong enough. Some yeah. racial stuff. This was the whole Akima Lou thing that we talked about a couple months back. Yeah. I think both of us agreed he wasn't getting hired again. Well, he did. Um, and he got hired by a KHL team. So. Well, I guess human right abuses are okay in, in Russian hockey. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. There were a lot of statements made, and he actually addressed the uh, the media yeah. after after they announced the hiring. And I don't know. I, I I saw what he said, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I suppose everybody deserves a second chance, kind of thing. But you know, it is what it is. So, but he was. That's why he's back in the news. So if anybody saw him pop up somewhere, it wasn't old news. It was recent. <laughs> what else you want to talk about before we move on to our uh, big hockey card topic for the day? Um, I don't know. Like I said, there's there's not a lot going on out there uh, since we last recorded. Um, you know, NHL Network and ESPN and um, stuff like that have been throwing some hockey content out there for people to watch, especially if you like to watch vintage games and things like that while you're cooped up in your house and can't go anywhere. Um, one of those that I find interesting, I watched it before and I, I watched it again just because it just blows my mind how this even came to fruition. But, uh, have you ever seen big shot, the 30 for 30 that ESPN did on John Spano? No. Uh, it was from a few years back. I think 2013 is when it broadcast the first time. Um, but, uh, the, the, the episode's called big shot and the whole thing profiles john spano and the whole the whole period of time when he was um purchasing the the new york islanders Mm -hmm. um and it goes through the basically the whole story the guy's the guy's a crook the guy's a, a a corrupt a very corrupt and he's a horrible person let's just put it that way um but the, I mean, the story, you know, people are all into the stuff like the Tiger King and everything like that now mm-hmm. of just these stories that are so over the top that you wouldn't think they were true, but they are. If you if you can find this episode, um, like I said, ESPN dropped it and it was it played a couple times. It's probably on ESPN Plus if people have that. But um, yeah, if you can find it, it's 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 crazy. Some of the stuff that happens in there is just absolutely crazy. You know, and the the whole lawsuit at the end, he he borrowed money from Mario Lemieux oh. for one of his um, for his business essentially, uh, and it was a biz it was a business loan more or less that he was given, and you know he touted all that him and Mario were friends and all this kind of stuff and whatever, but he took this loan and instead of using it towards his business, he actually put the money towards his down payment for the Islanders, so essentially it was. The, the the captain and superstar of the Pittsburgh Penguins helping to fund purchase of a rival team in the same division. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's absolutely insane story. So people should check that out. And there's you know a lot of stuff floating around there. So a lot a lot of good uh, hockey related watching that's that's floating around. But one other thing that that. Uh, I just wanted to point out that um, 
uh, came up since we last talked was uh, Florence Schelling mm-hmm. was named the GM of SC Burn. So she's the first woman that's a GM of a top level men's team now. So in the in the world of hockey, granted it's not the NHL, but the fact that this is the the biggest, the highest level um, men's hockey division, and she's now the GM of a team. For those that don't know who she is, she's uh, she was a goaltender. She's a four time Olympian. Mm-hmm. She's been in. Um, I think she was in like the 06, the 10, the 14, and the 18 Winter Olympics. Um, I mean, she was an MVP once. So I, she's no stranger to hockey, obviously. Obviously. But uh, the fact that they've put a woman in a position of GM on a, in a men's, predominantly men's league, um, that's, that's something. That's that definitely awesome. something. I mean, I know, you know, here... Obviously, uh, um, the the Seattle franchise, um, which we still don't have a name for, um, Cami Granado is the um, one of the scouts. Yeah, she's like the head scout for the team. And we thought so, we thought, wow, like that was <clears throat> yeah. that was like breaking a barrier right there, and now this is breaking another barrier. Yeah, the fact that and it's like the same year practically. Right. So. Well, same, not calendar year, but within the same, whatever, 19, 2019, 2020 season, season, whatever you want to, finger quotes, you know. Big, big steps and big strides in the right direction. If only we can get the NHL to fork over some money to have a women's, a women's league, I think we'll be doing all right. I mean, I already gave my, my plan about that, that every team needs to put up. You need to have six teams, put them in original six cities. Each team has to fork up. I, I forgot what I said. Can't remember if I said five million. Yeah, five million a year, three million a year. Give them a living wage. You know, not a living wage. Give them a professional wage. You know, and then you know, five million a year. Put two million towards salary, and then the other three million for operating costs, marketing, promotion. I guess you get all their salaries too. And, you know, of course, somebody with an economics degree is going to tell me why I'm wrong and it's going to cost this much. And I'm not thinking about paying the peanut vendors or whatnot. But, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, right? Like, I feel like this is something that you can do, but it has to be what they call for the first couple of years. It has to be what they call a loss leader. You know, when the, the grocery store puts milk on sale for $1.99, so you buy it, but then you also buy bread that's overpriced because something else is on sale kind of the same idea there i mean or like a restaurant a restaurant is going to lose money the first couple of years it's in business unless i mean very few restaurants are like huge out of the gate maybe if they have some sort of celebrity chef or something that's like in charge of the restaurant so yeah the nhl could have a women's league they would just need to put some money into it and they would need to see this as a long-term investment and not a short term okay we're going to spend five million this year but then we're going to you know, make it back that same year. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And all the talk that's been going on about it up to a certain point, this whole pause because of the pandemic that's going on. 
that might have that might have set a lot of this back because everybody's going to be more concerned about getting their own stuff together you know what yeah. i mean and so it's going to be difficult to go back to those talks of other outside things when everybody's got to get their own houses in order now so but uh i mean it's definitely a move in the right direction having uh having florence take over that gm job so that's uh i think that's really cool yeah all right should we talk cards that's why we're here yeah well that's uh i i uh that's the reason for our existence right right exactly because i mean there's you know a thousand hockey podcasts out there, but we like to be the only one that talks about trading cards. So for my friends who are now not into cards, I guess this is where you turn off the podcast um, or you listen because you might learn something interesting because we don't just talk about cards, but we talk about the players on the cards. We talk about the season that those cards came out. We talk about the significance of them. So um, it was about a week ago, somebody asked me, uh, they said, when are you guys going to talk about an old set? Like an old set from the 70s. So Tim and I were like, okay, let's let's talk about a, a set from the 70s. And so we uh, agreed on 73-74, Tops and Opeechee. I have both of those sets complete. Tim has uh, Tim is working on a 73-74 Tops set. Um, I actually... I actually built that set from scratch. I did not um I did not buy it complete. I probably spent a little more money than I would have if I bought it complete. I think that I was finding that the prices for a complete set were just a little too high and I just wasn't that enamored. I was just like, eh, I think I could build it for cheaper cuz I looked I'm like, you know, there's it doesn't have the same star power as some of the other sets cuz it doesn't have a, it has the top set has a Ken Dryden All-Star card, but it doesn't have like a regular Ken Dryden card because that was the year he went on sabbatical or whatever to to work on his law degree. And uh, you know, Bobby Hall was in the WHA, Gordy Howe was in the WHA. Um, you know, so you a lot of the stars that drove up some of the prices of those earlier sets weren't in the set. So I mean, I kind of looked at the complete set prices and I'm like I think I could put this together for cheaper because a lot of the commons were like 50 cent cards at the time or whatever. But either way, I guess it's fun when you build a set versus buying it. Now the Opeechee set I bought as a complete set because there was no way I wanted to put that one together. And I had a deal come across that was just too good to pass up. Um, so actually really quick, let me just put, spit out the, uh, the basics on this. So the top set was 198 cards it was one series, so because 198 cards, it's going to have single prints and it's going to have double prints. So there's going to be some cards that are easier to find than others. Um, there were 22 different team logo stickers that were inserted, one per pack, um, that had a team logo on the top and then a team pennant on the bottom, with, and they were different teams. So they'd be like a two-part sticker that you could peel apart, the top sticker and the bottom sticker, but it didn't make sense because you'd have, like, a Bruins logo on the top and, like, a Penguins pennant on the bottom or right. whatnot. Um, what really makes the 73-74 top set stand out were the colored borders. So the cards had red, wow. yellow, blue, and green borders, which really makes it a, uh, a colorful, uh, eye-catching set. 
it also makes it a little more condition sensitive, condition sensitive, because any sort of dings or whatnot might be a little more visible than on a white border. Um, the notable rookie cards in that: uh, Billy Smith, Bill Barber, Dave the Hammer Schultz, Gilles Gilbert, uh, and then uh, the Opeachy set. 264 cards. So that was two series. That was distributed in two series of 132 cards each. So Canadian collectors, they got like Canadian kids because nobody was really a collector back then. 132 card series one. And then a little while later, 132 card series two. Um, there are two variations of, of these cards, by the way. So some of them have like the are printed on like the grayish card stock, and they almost look like tops cards when you look at them from the back. But they're on that like gray card stock. And then some of them are on tan card stock, like the Opeachy cards traditionally were back then in in the 70s. Um, series one had uh, cards 1 through 132, all the cards had red borders. So they didn't even bother with, like, what Tops did with, like, the different colored borders. They just went all red. And then um, there were 17 team crests that were found in Series 1 packs. Series 2, all the cards had green borders. Again, Opeachy didn't bother with yellow or blue or varying them at all. And there were 17 team crest rings found in Series 2 packs. Uh, notable rookie cards, Billy Smith, Bill Barber, Dave the Hammer Schultz, Jill Gilbert, plus the Opeachy set also had Larry Robinson, Bob Nystrom, Terry O'Reilly, and Terry Murray, who I'll just throw out because I remember him as a coach. Uh, and, you know, he had a decent NHL career, too. Uh, so uh, that's the skinny on those sets, just the the, the dry, bare facts. Um, so, Tim, what do you got to say? This is probably one of the, at least for me, one of the most condition-sensitive sets I've come across to try to put together. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point now where the way I'm building it is I'm just getting the cards so that I can make the set. And I'll worry about upgrading them later. Um, you know, as you mentioned, because you have the different colors, you know, there's... Uh, you know, sometimes you don't have uh, perfect edges. Mm -hmm. In fact, many of the cards have bleed over from the card next to it in the cutting. A lot of them are miscut. I've yes. seen so many of this series miscut. I think that's why Opeachy just went with one single border color. Because I think they looked at that and said, okay... Unless we're 100% accurate with our cut, you're going to be able to see that. Yeah, you'll have like you'll have like a card with a green border, but you see a little bit of blue at the top. Or and that's the worst part because they're they're random. Like so in the top set, because there's the four colors, they didn't do like okay one through thirty or this color and the thirty one through sixty or this color. No, it's not like that. They're all over the place. So. A yellow card could have been printed next to a blue card, next to a red card, next to a green. And they could have done the pattern, you know, green, yellow, red, blue. Mm -hmm. So that if your card's miscut, you could have a piece of blue from the bottom and a piece of green from the side. Mm -hmm. And it's a yellow bordered card. Right. You could have three different colors on there because it was so miscut. And I've seen them. I've, I've seen horrible, horrible versions of some of these. And I even have some. 
that are just so off center that it's it it's almost it's almost like I want to put the set together with as many off center cards as I can just to show how bad it is. And you know that the thing is is that um a little bit of off centering doesn't matter on most cards because the borders are white. So you might look and go, hmm, okay, it's a little off center. I could I can tolerate that. But when it's off center a little bit, but then that off centeredness is like literally highlighted in like a different color. Like this is how much this card is off center to, you know, one centimeter, right? Then you're it's 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 harder to like that. It's harder yeah. to like a card. It looks like somebody took a marker and went right down the edge with a with a different colored marker and drew a line in a lot of cases. I guess what Tops could have done is they could have printed um at least all of the blue cards together on the sheet and all of the yellow cards together on the sheet. Yeah, and that seems completely logical. Why wouldn't they have done that? I mean, a third, a hundred and well, they were doing 198 cards, so whatever. But yeah, they could have, uh, they could have done something like that, and then it would have at least been a little more consistent. Where you'd have some cards that maybe, if they were off center, you didn't notice because you had a yellow card printed next to a yellow card printed next to a yellow card, so that they would all, you know, if the border was off a little bit, you wouldn't really notice because it was, you know, next to a yellow. You know, it'd all be a yellow border and not like a yellow border with a little bit of green at the bottom for some reason. Yeah, I mean, 198 cards. Okay, so it's almost 200. So you, if you're going to do four colors, 50 cards of each color. Right. With the last with the last set only having, you know, having two less. Okay, why not? Why couldn't you do that? Then most of your cards are going to fit, and maybe there will be that one line on the sheet where the color switches. Mm-hmm. Then you only run the risk of just those, you know, how many go across on a sheet? Is there 10? I, I don't know. Whatever it is across on a sheet, 10 or 12 or whatever. Oh, uncut sheets are huge, dude. They are like, I don't buy them because they're too heavy to ship. And I would hate to roll them. And I have no place, no way of storing them flat. I was just trying to remember how many go across. It's either 10 or 12 that go across on the sheet. Mm Mm-hmm. My son won one once. They bought a box of Topps football years ago, and there was a redemption card in it for a, um, a uncut sheet. So he sent the redemption in, and sure enough, he won. So when they shipped it, I mean, it's in this huge box. I was like, what is this, a whiteboard? I opened it up, and it was it was that. They shipped it flat. So, that, but yeah. It's nice. And I remember him holding it up, and it was way bigger than he was, and it was a funny picture, but... Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think his mother threw it out. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, oh, man. But uh, yeah, so extremely miscut cards. <laughs> back, to, back to the original point. So um, one, uh, one thing that I, I kind of noticed when looking at these cards, like, you know, okay, so the 70s, I mean, if you want to get technical, 1971 was the first year of the 70s because... 1970 is still considered part of the 60s or whatever though it's really part of the 70s i mean math math, you know like well for hockey it's 69 70 and then 77 right 70 yeah so what is what i notice about this these cards is that it has a very 1970s aesthetic to that and let me let me explain what i'm saying here the 
cards from the late 60s to 72, 73 have a very pop art aesthetic to them. Where you have like the the 66, 67s, is it? That are kind of like the player over the drawn background. Yeah. It's got like a collage feel to it, right? And then, you know, you think of like, you know, like collage art. And then like you had a lot of the bright colors with like um, uh, 71, 72 and the bubble letters. I mean, that set has so the the I, I did a I did a presentation about that set for a uh, design class that I took. And the the amount of influence that pop culture, it's not pop culture, pop art you know, people like um, Andy Warhol's work had on that set is is really apparent when you look when you start researching and looking into that. So when you get into those like really bright poppy colors of like 71, 72, and 72, 73, it, it, it still kind of has a little bit of that like 1960s influence because it always takes a little while for like one decade to really get its own identity and shake it off. I mean, if you think of like the early 90s, it's really just kind of like an extension of the 80s. And the 90s didn't really feel like the 90s until a certain point. I mean, for me, it was probably like around 93, 94, when it just didn't feel like the 80s, like when it kind of moved away from that aesthetic and to another aesthetic. And like with or with that decades aesthetic. And what I mean about these cards being decidedly 70s is, yeah, we have the bright colors on the borders, but it's more about the, the more of the focus is on the players. And, uh, and, and I don't, I mean, the, the cards are always focused on the players, but I'm saying that the bright colors not behind the player, like in the previous sets. And what I'm noticing here is that there is an attempt at game action in some of these pictures. There's still um, just, there's still the mug shots of the player standing against a wall. And that's kind of also, a, you know, you had that in the 60s sets and you had that in the 70s sets. Although in the, you know, the 60s sets, they'll be like, all right, we'll take a picture of this guy and then cut him out and then put him in front of a green background. Right. And now they're just like, hmm. We'll just photograph this guy against the wall and yep there's a big harsh shadow behind him but you know you whatever. notice a lot of the pose pic pictures though that they used this year weren't necessarily in front of a wall like a lot of them in some of the years it looks like they're standing in front of a wall in the hallway like going to the dressing room or you know coming out of the locker rooms to go to the ice or something like that this year they're like posed in front of a uh, a shoddy old olin mills background Oh yeah, um, yeah. Wait, if you what's look Olin at, Mills? I'm sorry. Olin Mills. You don't remember Olin Mills? That's where every paints? kid got their picture taken back oh. at, uh back in the um, the 80s, mm, uh, I don't in know. the 70s. I think I don't know who took our pictures in school. I know Fred Fox. Oh, not in school. These were the places you went with your family, and you would always have. They do like. They take your picture and, and it would be like your picture's here. And then off to the side, there'd be like another image of yourself looking off into the distance. Oh, like so those, you did those kind of basically. Yeah, those kind of pictures. Like, that was glamour shots before it was glamour shots. No, you know what? I We never went for family photos. We always had, my mom always had a photographer come and photograph myself and my sister. And they would always, they'd bring in their, their backdrop and we had like a coffee table that they put it over, you know, that, that I would sit on or my sister would sit on or the both of us would sit on and, 
and they would take uh, they would take our pictures that way. But no, I never had the one where they um, uh, what was it? I never had the one where they um, uh, we went to get our picture taken. So I never had the double exposure picture that you're oh, talking about. Man, you 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 lucked out. You lucked out. That that's like fodder that was straight used for for um, blackmail. Oh, to really? Have, to have those pictures. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, so the year before, if you look at seventy two, seventy three, and you look at a lot of the the posed photos, because that's mostly what they used. You know, they put them in front of a green background, or they put them in front of like uh, a yellowish color background, or you know, it it was it looked like something that they superimposed over whatever color they designed for that particular card. Mm-hmm. You know, green, blue, whatever, pink. I think pink was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this year, it's like everybody was posed, but they were posed in front of an actual photographer's backdrop. Well, I mean, sometimes you'd have the photographer come in and they would take a bunch of their pictures and, um, you know, at, at, you know, like the whole team at once. And just go one by one and take a snapshot. Except the Doug Favell card. If you ever, if you look at the Doug Favell card, I swear he's been cropped onto that card. Like he I'm didn't belong to... there. And they uh-huh. cut him out of something else, and they placed him on that card. Uh, I'm trying to remember the Phil Esposito card. Is that I know in the seventy one seventy two tops, he's wearing his plaid pants, but I'm trying to remember if they reused that photo in um in uh, Did you say 70- Phil or Tony. Phil. The only Phil I remember from that set is his scoring leader card with Bobby Clark. Hmm. I don't remember his regular card, hmm. so I don't yeah. know what it looks like. I can't help you there. I, yeah, I don't either. I'm going to have to look that up because I can't, I can't, uh, I'm fumbling through my, um, I'm fumbling through my, uh, uh, my binder of cards right now and I can't find it. So I'll have to see, but, um, I know that, well, if you uh, have them in order, go to one, one night card number 119 and look at the Doug Favell card. And I, I swear you can see like the line around him, like the. You know, like the, the Adobe Photoshop crop line. Oh, yeah. Hey, real quick. Look up what number <laughs> Phil Esposito is. Okay. Oh, yeah. The Favelle. I mean, oh, it, my. Doesn't, it doesn't look real. It looks like it's odd looking. Don't you think? Well, no. I don't think they cut him out of anything. It's that they put a they put a, a, a Maple Leafs. They painted a Maple Leafs jersey on him. That's got to be a card. That That's okay. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at, you're looking at the top set, right? Yeah, can you look up what number Phil Esposito is? Yeah, I'm searching for him. Or yeah, did he only just, did he only the, have an All Star card? I don't know. Well, Google it, yo. People are listening. I know Tony's number ninety. Okay, okay. <sighs> Make me do everything myself. Go to hockeydb.com. Click on set lists. On 120. Releases. He's number 120. See, was that hard? Okay. I told you I'd find it before you. <laughs> well, let's see. One. Yeah, people aren't paying to listen to us fumble around. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's just funny because interesting... I just said look up 119 and he's number 120. No, you know what? And that's that's the thing though is that I was trying to remember if the set had all-star cards and regular cards of the same player and they don't so phil esposito only has that all-star card that uses an action shot um ken dryden's card 
has an all-star card that uses an action shot. However, that Dryden card is actually not in the Opeachy version because by then Opeachy, you know, Opeachy came out later in the season. That's why a lot of times they updated the names on the cards, you know, and say now with Kings or now with golden seals or whatever. And then um, for Dryden, they, they pulled them out of the set. I mean, there's the same with 71, 72, the tops hockey set had Gordie Howe. The Opeachy set didn't have that Gordie Howe card, but they had a tribute card for his retirement, right? So that was it was a little different that year. So um, Opeachy would do that sort of thing where they would. Um, uh, so in that case, they they didn't have Dryden in the set, which is just weird if you think about it. But right. because he was an All Star in seventy two seventy three, but they didn't like do like a separate All Star subset. They just. If, if they were an all-star, they just flagged them as an all-star. So, um, you know, now you look at, like, the 80s where, like, they'd have to do a Wayne Gretzky card, and then they would have to do a Wayne Gretzky first-team all-star card, and then they would have to do a Wayne Gretzky record-breaker card, and then they'd have to do a Wayne Gretzky uh, Art Ross trophy card, right? You know what I mean? And back then they weren't thinking, like, hey, let's make multiple cards. Well, they did, like, they did, like, league leader cards, but I want to say those were more just about being informative and not so much like here's an excuse for us to make another um, Phil Esposito card or Ken Dryden card or whatever. Yeah, it makes sense. And if you look, those the all-star cards that are mixed throughout the set are, they're all action shots, right? I don't think yes. any of them have just like a close-up of the player because they have that NHL shield mm-hmm. cut out for the over top of it. So that's a nice um, looking, those are actually really nice looking cards. You know, I have the Dennis Hall card signed and there's a lot of space. Like he's like, he's coming into the frame. He's coming into the shield. I don't know why I didn't scoot it over and center him more. There's it, 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 it was a poor choice to use that photo the way they did, because there's too much room on the right side but what Dennis Hall would do when he signs that card is he would turn it sideways and he'd put his autograph right there. So it was just perfect for that, you know? Like, he's obviously signed that card a lot and, you know, realized that there was a lot of space there. Um, I would think yeah. the Dale Talon card is a good one to get signed, too. Oh, yeah. Well, guess where he signs that one? Of course he He's going to sign it right across his jersey because there's nothing on it. So that was the year that Dale Talon uh, was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, what's funny about that is that, uh, well, funny about that card is that they just, they covered, they just painted his Canucks jersey red. He's like, he's like sitting, it's like a post shot where he's just sitting and they took his picture. So they painted his Canucks jersey red to look like a Blackhawks jersey. Um, yeah, and, a Blackhawks jersey that had the logo torn off of it. Yeah, why bother? Like, <laughs> They didn't. That's exactly it. They didn't bother anything. They well, you painted know it red and left it alone. Let me tell you something. It looks like he's wearing an ugly red sweater that people that worked at Office Depot used to wear in the mid, mid-2000s. <laughs> As a kid, I was more resourceful than that because I would have at least thought, hey, why don't I find another picture where I could cut the logo off of and then we superimpose. You know, if it, they had no problem cutting one guy's head and putting it on another guy's body. But why wouldn't they just cut cut a logo and then just put it on the jersey? You know what I mean? Like, 
that's not too that's pretty easy as far as um uh photo uh photo um collaging photo superimposing i mean before i discovered what photoshop was i actually used to like to cut up magazine pictures and then just paste them together but actually make them look like a scene where i'd cut like like the mountains from one scene and like the sky from another scene and like the ground from another scene and like people or animals from like another say I say scene but I mean picture and then just like make this collage that was kind of like warped realism you know what I mean like it was realistic but then you'd look and you'd be like oh that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong you know what I mean so cutting a logo off of one guy's picture and putting it on another picture I mean they did do that on Dale McCourt's 7980 tops card when they wanted to make him look like a king but um yeah they that's weird done... I used to cut up magazines too but I would cut out the letters and then send information to people on them. about the whereabouts of their loved ones and where yes. where they can send uh uh twenty dollar bills unmarked uncirculated yes you know routing number to a swiss bank account i didn't think anything of it at the time but apparently they frown upon that yeah uh crime does not pay so um but anyway so getting back to dale talon he was a black he, he joined the blackhawks that year and they touted him as the replacement for Bobby Hall. Hall went to the uh, World Hockey Association's Winnipeg Jets for 72-73. So then 73-74, it was like they replaced, I don't say they replaced Hall with Talon. But here, 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 here's the sign right here. They gave Talon number nine when he nice. joined the Black Box. They gave him number nine. He wore it for one preseason home game. The fans booed him. Uh, I was just going to say, how did he not get booed out of the stadium? Fans booed him. And so his his quote, he returned it. He returned the jersey to the trainer or whoever, you know, whoever made the jerseys. And he just said, you forgot the decimal point. Yeah, exactly. And so then they gave him number 19. That's why he wore number 19 for the Blackhawks. Originally, he was number nine. And so it seemed like kind of like, it wasn't just like, oh, well, the number nine isn't here anymore, and we have this number nine jersey here. Go use this jersey because the previous number nine is no longer with us. They knew who number nine, you know, they knew what they were doing. They were, I think they were trying to say, this is going to be our, our new star player. And well, that was also back before they started retiring jersey numbers, right? This is true. Yeah. The Blackhawks didn't retire numbers until, um, they did retire Bobby and Stan's number, uh, uh, Bobby Hall and Stan Makita in um, 83, I believe. Yeah, but you're still talking 10 years later. So this is a decade yeah. before that. And they didn't even retire Glenn Hall until 1988. So uh, a number of Blackhawks goaltenders, including Ed Belfour, wore number one. That's a common goaltender number. It so. is. Yeah, but they didn't they didn't think about it. You know what's funny though is that um so the Blackhawk retired the Blackhawks retired number three two times at the same time. They retired it for Pierre Pilat and they retired it for Keith Magnuson. And they raised number three to the rafters for both of them on the same night. Um Pilat was an all star defenseman and a Hall of Famer and um Magnuson is one of those like extremely popular players who um, played his whole career with one team. I mean, I'll give you like a, a, a comparison of maybe a more, uh, I don't say current because he's long retired, but like Ken Danico. You think of Ken Danico, 
played his whole career with one team, was ups, up and down with that team, um, always a member of that team, loved by uh, the, the players and loved by the um, his teammates, you know, just one of those guys, right, who, who has his number retired because of his significance to his team, not so much his on ice performance. So what was funny was my aunt told me, she's like, yeah, I vaguely remember Pierre Palat. I was actually really surprised that they didn't retire his, you know, that they just, yeah, they just, you know, somebody else came along, you know, and they gave him number three and that someone else happened to be Keith Magnuson. But, uh, you know, so it kind of made sense to retire him, but, you know, they both are retired for number three. There's a couple other, there's a few other cards in the set that were like that too. I think that was like their MO. If they didn't have the right if they didn't have the right jersey and didn't have the right body shape to cut the head off of, they just mm-hmm. airbrushed the entire shirt. I know the uh the Eddie Johnston Maple Leafs card, his yeah, looks that... like that too. Where it's just it's just blue. It almost looks like he's wearing like a blue flak jacket over yeah. top of a red tur- or over top of a white turtleneck. It does. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of goofy looking, and then um, the uh, as I call it the the Dennis Leary card, um, which is actually Dan Maloney um, from the uh, from the Kings. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you know the card number? Thirty-two. But his whole jersey, his whole jersey's yellow. But I think I think Dan Maloney looked kind of like Dennis Leary. So I always call it the Dennis Leary card. Oh yeah, it does kind of look like. Uh, He's, a, he looks actually kind of like he looks like a cross between Dennis Leary and Jeff Anderson. You know who Jeff Anderson is from Clerks, Randall. Oh yeah, yeah. that's that's what he looks like. Uh, a he cross. does look like Randall. That's yeah. that's uh, that's uh, oh my god, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but you see the jersey on there. He, it's just all yellow. Yeah, it's like this just god awful yellow, just yellow. <laughs> somebody referred to that as a um what did they somebody what do they call it like a um not a cloak but like when you go get your hair cut by the barber and they put that uh like that sheet over you so you Apron. don't get yeah kind of i, I that's, guess that's actually kind of what it looks like a lot of them do uh look like that i mean I'm thinking of some of the the cool cards in that set the first card i gotta i, I gotta mention when i when i say cool cards is um the uh, uh Phil Roberto card Phil Roberto is uh pictured fighting Billy Smith on the card I mean he literally has the dude um he, he has him here I got it right here in front of me he has I should have it in front of me because it's such an epic fucking card man it's like um he is uh I actually have the peachy version handy he is, uh, he's about the to That's the one where the referee's in between them, right? Yeah. He's like, you see Roberto's fist, and it looks like he's trying to strike, um, you know, trying to strike Smith. Smith yeah. has his jersey pulled up almost over his head a little, and then you got, like, two referees intervening. And um, now, the Opeachy version of the card has red borders, but the which I guess makes it look angrier or more intense or whatever, whereas the tops version has green borders. But the tops version... Which is interesting because it's St. Louis Blues, but it has a green border. Or a red border. But Could yeah. have had a blue border. 
That would have made the most sense. Right. Um, but the tops card on the back says, Phil is a tough man in the corners and even tougher in a fight. So not only does the card picture sure. a fight on the yeah, front, so but it acknowledges it fighting. fighting. Yeah, yeah it, it acknowledges fighting. And I think about that, like, there's a few times where, like, fighting is alluded to in later years, but... Um, but they don't necessarily say the F word. And the one that I think of, one of my all-time favorite tough guys uh, on the Blackhawks, Wayne Van Dorp, who was involved in a pregame brawl in 89-90 against the Minnesota North Stars, where basically uh, Basil McRae, Shane Sherla, and Wayne Van Dorp got into a fight during the warm-ups. And like, the teams were out there, no referees were out there, and like everybody, everybody just got into the fight and like the referees came out, uh, the coaches came out, the police came out and uh, this was before the game. So like the cameras weren't even turned on. And then you, you always see footage of it like in the thick of it because they were like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then they turned on the cameras and just started recording it. And his card in the 1991 Opeachy set says says something like an ugly pregame brawl sparked controversy around the circuit last season. And it's like, they can't even, they didn't even say fight. They had to use like, uh, I mean, brawl is fighting, but you know, they, like I said, they don't like to use the F word. Yeah. It's, um, it harkens back to a more innocent day. (laughs) Can you imagine them making a card now showing fighting? I mean, the last thing we had, I think the last thing we had that was intentional were the enforcer sets that in the game put out. Oh my God. I loved that first series of enforcers. I bought like five boxes of. Yeah. I mean, those were cool because they were highlighting the bygone era of a player that's becoming, you know, I don't want to say they're becoming extinct, but their role has definitely changed. You know, you still have guys that would probably be considered enforcers if you rewound the time frame in the league today, but their role has been changed because of the fact that they don't emphasize that type of play anymore. But yeah, that's the last set I can think of that there were intentional shots of, you know, pictures of guys fighting. Enforcers was a good set. We should do a, we should do a show about enforcers and enforcers too. Um, Oh, but speaking of enforcers, so one of the greatest enforcers of all time has his rookie card in the set, Dave the Hammer Schultz. Dave the Hammer. Yeah. Dave played that... for the Penguins for a minute. Did he? He did. I only remember him, well, I never saw him play, but I knew him, know him as a flyer. Yeah. Um, trying to think of the time frame there. Hmm. Um, what is it? What's the, uh, what's his, what's his photo on the, on the card in that? Just a headshot. It's just a headshot. Just a headshot. Yeah, and you know, like there was some actually, and we could we oh here it is. Oh, that's Bill Barber. Sorry, Uh, a lot of them were headshots, but there were actually quite a few action shots besides the Phil Roberto uh, fighting card. Another one I wanted to bring up was the Steve Durbano card. It's a sideways card, and he's like lying on the ice, but he's like still like focused on the puck. Uh, that card to me just really feels like a 1970s card. Uh, the Jean Rattel card is a 
good action scene, a little confusing because there's like two defensemen, two Blackhawk defensemen in the background and then Rattel in the foreground. But this is about as good of an action photo that you're going to get in a 1970 set because, you know, cameras weren't as good. A lot of times stadium lights weren't as good. I mean, action photography was hard in the 70s and the 80s and the 60s. And there's a reason why they used a lot of posed shots or even before that, why cards like Parkhurst use paintings because, you know, they'd use a reference photo, but they didn't, they couldn't get these great action photos. Uh, Joe Watson of the Flyers, another one. I mean, looks like he's trying to stand up a guy who's trying to get around him. Pretty good uh, picture, I'd say. Looks um, like he's I, just getting, he's just ending his left hook against the guy's cheek. Well, actually, it's the flyer who's uh, who's getting punched then. So it's his own card. He looks like a dumbass on his own card. But uh, it's still a cool picture. And then this this Wayne Stephenson mask where you had... Um, he's got, like, that weird, like, pretzel mask, as they yeah. called it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what was, like, another good one? This one is just... This card is just such a cluster, you know what? Um, it's of Dave Keon, but it's just, like... If you didn't know Dave Keon was a Maple Leaf, you wouldn't be sure. It's like, which See, one is Dave? Yeah, that should be a team card. That should be a team card because you got... How many one, people are in that picture, including one, the referees? two, three, four, five players that are identifiable plus one referee. So, I mean, it's just such a busy card. And then like this one of uh, Dave Spinner Spencer, okay, he's off center. Like, if if, if he was centered... In this photo, this would be an upper deck photo right here. This would be an upper deck photo today. But because it's off-center, it's a 70s top photo where, where they go, okay, well, yeah, he's kind of off-center and kind of moving out of the frame, but damn, that is some good action. I mean, you know, he's he's focused on the puck. Um, you can see the goalie is looking. You can see, like, everybody's looking. I mean, this is definitely... I mean, it's right along the ice, you know. It makes you wonder what the rest of the photo looks like to have to have a central focus of the picture. You know what right. I mean? Because right. it's been slid over to the side. What are we missing over here that the cameraman was actually trying to take a picture of to get the whole thing oh, in I order see. for that to be, you know what I mean? Because so it's off that. He's just an afterthought. And I will say that this Ken Dryden card um, where uh, – <laughs> it doesn't appear in the Opeachy set, but you just look at those goalie pads and you go, Oh my God, this guy had long legs. I mean, I know six, four now is like average height for a goalie, but here he just looks so tall and so lanky. Like those leg pads look as tall as me. Yeah, they do. And another, another interesting uh, card is the Mike Robitaille card. Um, the tops and the Opeachy versions of the card. The reason why I like to bring up this card is because there's a book called Golden o Oldies that was written by Brian McFarlane, where he just, it was just like this eclectic hodgepodge of all these different hockey stories. It was such a wonderful book. It's the kind of book that gets overlooked, but when you read it, you're just like, wow, this is good because it just, it just, I don't want to say it fills in your gaps in information. It tells you stuff that you didn't even know to think about or to ask about or, or to learn about. Um, but he has a conversation with Mike Robitaille. And Robitaille talks about autographing that card. Because he remembers 
flipping it over. He was like in the press box or maybe he was injured or something. And a kid asked him to sign the card and he flipped it over and it says, and I got to bust out the, uh, the magnifying lens for this. Mike would like to turn to radio or TV after retiring. And it has a little drawing of a little hockey guy with the microphone blabbing into the microphone. And he, he says, you know, I, I think about that card now and how, you know, I've spent like over 30 years as a broadcaster. And just back then, it might have been something that I just said I wanted to do when I retired. And, you know, this card kind of like, kind of like foretold that he would go on and become like this, um, this, this popular broadcaster for the Sabres for so many seasons. How many more years did they keep doing the cartoon after this year? 7980 was the last year. That was the last year? Yeah, 8080. Oh wait, no, maybe it was 8081. I think it was 8081. It was 8081, I think. Actually, I'm not sure. I got to look that up because I know 8182 um they changed the layout of the cards. Um so they didn't have they just didn't accommodate um let's see here. You would think I mean, that, that I'd I mean, that's have a, this... that's a vintage era era thing that, that that you don't find anymore is that little comic guy. Like if you look at the back of Larry Robinson's card, it's a, mm-hmm. it says something like he's the biggest player on his team and it shows this like giant guy that looks like he has prosthetic legs standing on skates and this little guy underneath him. Yeah, uh, or... 80 80 81 was the last year that they had um the comics. Yeah, and the reason why I don't remember that is because um the comics didn't necessarily, um, oh, yeah, this is funny. I just did a Google image search and I found my own website. What a weenie. I should just go to my own website in the first place. <laughs> what? So what I was going to say was that a lot of these um, cartoons, because the 8081 Tops cards had the black over the name, so you had to scratch it off to see who it was, and then the backside didn't, uh, have the player's name the cartoon was not about the player right it was more generic or it would talk about a player in team history but not the player who was pictured on the front of the card so that's why i can't remember um if if the 8081 had the uh i know i'm making excuses for myself but <laughs> because the, the 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 card backs weren't that memorable they didn't have the player name and they didn't have the they had a cartoon but not about that particular player Right. One of my favorite cards in the set is from the picture is the Pat Quinn card. Why? Where, he, where he's properly showing how to dish out a cross check. <laughs> That's uh, what card number is that? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, well, doesn't matter. It, it's a red one. If that ma- if that makes a difference. Oh, yeah. That just narrows it down to 50 yeah. cards or so. Yeah. I know it's red. Uh, try like somewhere in the 60s. Yeah, let's see. Well, I'm looking for an action shot here. Oh, it's not an action shot. It's posed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I never saw that as him cross-checking somebody. No, I think it's I think it's the proper way for him to dish out a cross-check. Either that or he's showing how to hold the limbo bar. Yeah, there was some good... It's, it's, it's a good set for maybe that... Maybe the variety is another thing. And actually... Um, that's something I miss about hockey cards today. Like we look at upper deck cards now and every photo on every card is a good photo. It's in focus. 
The colors are bright. There's usually action. There's stuff going on. I mean, you know, sometimes you have a photo of a player standing, but it's still a good photo. But it's in these... focus unless it's the Sebastian Ajo card from Allure this year. Of what? The Sebastian Ajo card that's in Allure this oh, year. I think you showed me that. It does look a little... Uh... Every version I've seen of it, it's off. I thought it might have been just like one card mess up. No, all of them. It's just weird. That one picture is out of focus. So what? What? No, it's okay. What's What's neat about this? Uh, what What's neat about this seventy set is you have a mix of headshots. You have a mix of posed shots, where it's like the players like three quarters of the body or half up. Um, you have on ice stoppage of play in action shots and then you have like where the players just waiting for the puck to drop or whatever and then you have like actual action shots like with Steve Durbano or with Phil Roberto fighting or with um you know some of these you know Jean Rattel card that I brought up earlier and I think that's one thing I miss about the uh the 70s and if you think of like uh, 70s hockey cards and if you even think of like 9091 upper deck you had a lot of that too you had your posed shots you know you had your draft pick cards that were posed you know sometimes you'd have like a guy like yari like there i remember 9192 uh, upper deck yari curry tying his skates because they just wanted to have a card of him so as a king because he signed with the kings and so they just had a picture of him that they obviously you know that was staged but you know, that's okay. I mean, you had this variety and I'm not like dissing like the, the, the photography on the modern cards. What I'm dissing is the, um, just the lack of variety that we don't, we don't have like this set has variety. Not all these pictures are great, but at least there's variety. And there's something interesting about variety. Even if everything's not perfect, sometimes it's just good to have variety. It's like, would you rather eat a perfect, the perfect most delicious pizza every day or would you rather eat really good food but of a variety every you know every day like a really good burger but not the best hamburger in the world right you know what i mean i don't know i i like pizza i like good pizza so oh, yeah. i could pro- i could probably handle that every day look the the biggest reason for that obviously is okay you had tops you had opichi probably 80% of the time they used the same photos Yep. in one release or the other. So that was it. That was all you had. So you got photographers at these rinks. And like you said, photography, the technology wasn't as good as it is today. Now you fast forward, upper deck was the, I mean, they, they were the ones that were taking those photos, taking those shots. They did it in all the sports coming up. That's one of the biggest reasons why they took off as one of the premier companies is they were doing innovative type photography well before a lot of the other groups were and putting it on cardboard. Well, Upper Deck's the only one making hockey cards now. So there's only so many photos, only so many different photos you could take of a guy and you have to put it in 20 different products in a year so let's say you know all right we got to take we got to get some shots of austin matthews okay what's what sets he's going to be in well he's going to be in the flagship set and there's 65 inserts that go in there which are all going to have to have a different shot and there's all the parallels 
and there's canvas and then we're going to come out with you know opichi and there's a bunch of different inserts there and you know it, it just snowballs so you look at how many different pictures of a guy there are mm-hmm. every year now and it's like yeah i could see a, a, a lot of us that a lot of us that look at that and we're like eh, i'm tired of seeing the stick handling shots give me something else Maybe and, and there was, is something else. It might be in another product, but maybe there is. Like Canvas always does some weird things. Upper Deck does like some interesting photos with Canvas. And I know, you know, the last few years they've been using alternative jersey shots, which are kind of cool, or using like the special night warm up jerseys, like the military night. Or... Canvas is almost becoming like what Pinnacle was that weird set. Like we have this weird photo, let's use it. Kind of, but it adds that for it adds that little bit of variety. Here's Sidney Crosby petting a puppy. Let's put this on his canvas card. I don't know that I've seen that one. No, I'm making that up. Okay, but but you would believe me if I told you it was true. Yeah, yeah, I think I could see that on a card. I mean, the the Penguins do make their uh, team calendar where all the players are posed with their pets, so. They could always take that picture. Brian Bickle uh, was uh, really is really big in the pit bull rescue. Former Chicago Blackhawk and Carolina Hurricane Brian Bickle. Uh, one of his causes is his um, Bix Pits charity. And so one thing that uh, they would sell is they would sell um, a calendar of Blackhawk players with pit bulls. And there's uh, I think of one of Corey Crawford holding a baby pit bull, and I'm talking. This little pit bull is a babe. It is like the size of a softball. And he's holding it. I don't know if he's holding I think he's holding it in both hands. But Crawford looks worried. Like he's afraid the dog's going to pee in his hands or something. Like he, 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 he doesn't look like he detests the dog. He looks like he likes the dog. But then he's like worried like, oh, I hope it doesn't pee on me this time. You know what I mean? Like um, he should be holding it in his trapper then. Oh, that would have been. Oh, that would have. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been way cooler. Yeah, if he was just holding... Well, they weren't in any uniforms. They were just in, like, regular clothes. Not regular clothes. They were in, like... Yeah, like, regular clothes. But, like, I want to say they wore, like, a lot of black. Like, just really dark, non-distracting uh, uh, clothes. Um, Just trying to think of there if there's anything else I want to say about this set. Because... Um, I will say that I put this uh, I put this set together. I think maybe like ten years ago, I wrote a wrote a blog post about like I'm gonna build this set and I'm gonna keep track of how much it cost me. And we will. Um, oh yeah, there's there's Sidney Crosby with a pit bull um, or a dog. But um, <laughs> I, I I can't remember like I, I I put this set together and I can't remember I don't know if I even kept track I think after a while I just forgot or didn't care or whatever um but uh no it's 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 a good set I'd say the tops had a really good tops and Opeachy because they shared the design I'd say that a really good run of designs up until about 74 75. The season after that had the hockey stick. Yes. Then the next year it was kind of boring. I just had the team name at the top and then like the the position and like a little puck in the corner. Yes. 
that one was just kind of um, plain, you know. I, but I agree. Yeah, but I mean, they had they had some really good good designs, and and I want to say like after the seventy four seventy five set, it just kind of I don't know, just well that's that's a year after this one, so I won't talk too much about that one because I don't want to you know we've only gone off of on what ten different tangents now. That's that's very few for us. Yeah, well, I haven't got any complaints about the tangents. You know, it's funny. Um, I was reading um my reviews as a teacher on uh, I can't remember if it was on Rate My Professor or if it was just something that the university did because we get evaluated every quarter. And I remember one student wrote about me in the comments something along the lines of a good teacher but goes off on tangents usually about hockey and i just i can't couldn't argue with that one <laughs> well if that's the worst thing that you can be told that you do then yeah I, I can think of i've been called worse that's right you were also a teacher for a number of years yeah so well yeah uh, I, know, I don't think I ever went off on tangents about hockey. I'm sure I went off on tangents, but I was also teaching math and geometry, so, so we talked about tangents. You went off on tangents on tangents. I'm just kidding. I didn't. No, I, was, I know. I was actually teaching science. I don't think there's tangents in science. I don't, I don't know, know anything about science. I learned it every day. There's a tangible relation between the math and, and science. My philosophy on teaching science was I don't know anything about science. I've got 20 minutes before the kids come in. I better learn as much as I can about today's lesson. Oh, my God. You should try being a substitute teacher. <laughs> well, where... That's exactly what that is. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was. it's funny because um, I remember, like, it seems like so long ago, but a couple months ago when I was subbing for Chicago Public Schools, and even though the teachers would give me a lesson plan, a lot of times, and bless them for doing this, they wouldn't overload the plans. And a lot of times I'd, I'd run out of things for them to do. So then I would try, you know, because they wouldn't give me 10 things to do. Sometimes teachers would give you 10 things and hope that you get through five of them. And other times they'd give you five things and then you're kind of on your own. So, you know, when you have a, a room of kindergartners saying, Mr. Barry, what do we do now? It's just like, uh... Okay, we're going to learn to count by two. Now we're going to learn to count by three, you know? So it was just, you know, just being able to like find, yeah, because this is math. So, and you're in kindergarten. So let's learn to count by twos, you know? And uh, it worked. But yeah, think on, learn as as much as you can in, in that 20 minutes. Or I even remember filling in for a music teacher and having like some downtime. And I'm just like, okay, how am I going to do? Like, he's telling me what to do, but. How can I make this better? You know, I know I'll go to YouTube and I'll actually show them the music of this musician that I'm talking about instead of just having them read about a musician and do a coloring sheet. Cause you know, actually though, what was funny was one time I was, I, I filled in for the gym teacher and I said to him, I said, cause I saw him the day before, cause I was at that school for two days in a row. And I said, can I bring my miracle on ice DVD? And can we make that gym class? Nice. Oh man. What was his response to that? 
As long as nobody complains. He he laughed and he said, as long as it doesn't get back to me and nobody complains about it. Who would complain about that movie? Come on. No, no, exactly. No, you know what? Actually, when I when I was when I'd come in and I was the gym teacher because I'd actually go to their classrooms because they had two different gyms. They had like gym gym where they got to run around, and then they had classroom gym where they had to play like games like heads up, seven up, or whatever, or freeze tag or whatever. And uh, the other teacher just didn't care. Like, like even like I think one time a teacher said to me, "As long as nobody gets hurt, we're good." <laughs> nice. Okay, there's that tangent I was warning you all about. So um, I'm curious if any of you have collected or have this set of 73, 74 Topps cards or Opeechi cards. Oh, I finally found that Steve Durbano. Just such a 70s card right there. Just hanging out, laying on the ground. Eh, you know, I don't know. Um, all he needs is a blanket underneath him, picnic basket. He might be blocking a shot in that. I don't know. God, he is, I, he's a defense. I don't know how guys block shots today when they have padding, let alone back then guys didn't even wear helmets throwing yourself in front of a friggin' puck. Oh, you know, I want to, I want to say this really quick. Um, the 1980s had to be the weirdest time for hockey. And let me explain why you had players who still weren't wearing helmets you had many players who were wearing helmets. And then you had guys who were wearing visors. So you had one extreme to the other. You had goal, You had uh, players not wearing helmets. You had guys, a lot of guys, most of the guys wearing helmets. And then you had, like, probably as many guys who are helmetless wearing visors. Well, maybe by the late 80s. By the early 80s, I mean, you had very few guys wearing visors back then. But then at the same time, you think of the goalies. You had you still had goalies wearing the old Jason-style fiberglass or whatever they were made of, but the Jason-style masks. And then you had them wearing, like, some wearing, like, the, the, the helmet and cage combo. And then you had some wearing the, uh, you know, the more modern masks, right? Or you had people wearing funnel cakes on their faces. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, the card that we were talking about earlier. Oh, no, that's from the 70s. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, okay. The 1980s. 70s, you had more guys without helmets. 70s was weird because you had goalie. You still had goalies without helmets or facial protection. But you, yeah, you had more guys without helmets than with helmets in the early 70s. And by uh, the turn of the decade, it was more than half were already wearing helmets by that point. But, uh, yeah, the 80s, man, just what a weird time. And then on top of that, if you think about it, you had two teams wearing the Cooperalls for a couple of years, right? Yeah. You you, you had guys um, using uh, – you still had the goalies using the um, leather pads. But by, oh, God, late 80s – now this might be more of the 90s when they started going to the foam pads – that they use now they weren't the leather pads because i remember i remember them making a big deal about um reggie lemelin was wearing the um the foam leg pads and not the uh the the old uh the old uh, horsehair ones or or rawhide ones or whatever the hell they made leathers the old leather pads they were made out of children's tears <sighs> <laughs> wow Tangents. 
Yeah, you and your ransom notes and children's tears. Oh my God, we're going to be on an FBI watch list so quick. <laughs> Too late. FBI, listen, uh, watch, and maybe listen. FBI, if you're listening, please like and subscribe. That goes uh, the same for all of you. And by the way, if you um, like this set or have collected this set or want to say something about this set, please do. One good place to do that would be the uh, Puck Junk Facebook Hockey Discussion Group at facebook.com slash groups slash Puck Junk. So we'd love it if you join us there and uh, tell us what you think about this or even if you want to just suggest a future topic of uh, cards for us to talk about. But I think I pretty much said all the things that I can say about this set. I mean, it's only 198 or 264 cards, so, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not a hard set to put together. It's just, as I said, it's a hard set to put together in mint condition. Yeah. Well, the Opeachy ones would be easier because they were all printed on the same um, color borders. But I got to tell you, man, those Opeachy, um, those Opeachy inserts, I don't even mess around with them. They're like... All of those like early seventies OPG inserts are just so hard to. They're like they're so pricey. I mean, I don't, don't want to spend thirty dollars for a California Golden Seals team logo crest because it was the short printed one or whatever. And I might even be thinking about the wrong year, but you get the idea. Like those OPG insert sets, those I don't. I usually don't touch because they're just so expensive. Yeah. I'm I'm doing baby steps. I'm just doing the top set for now. Yeah, well, got to start. Got to start with. Uh, got to start with one of them, and that's a good one to start with. So, um, all right, we done. Anything you want to say before I uh, before we say goodbye? Not really. Just uh, find us out there on social media. Like you said, Facebook group. It's a good place to go and start up a discussion. Talk about whatever you want, hockey related can find us both on twitter and uh if you got a idea for a topic or want to ask a question throw it out there maybe you'll make it on the show we still need to dig up the mailbag again mailbag will make a comeback but all right thank you for listening to the puck junk hockey podcast as always if uh, you like the show please tell your friends please tell your family please tell anybody who likes hockey be sure to subscribe anywhere where um you listen to your podcasts and until next time uh thank you for listening and wash your hands and stay indoors for more hockey goodness follow us on twitter at puck junk <laughs>